0: All right, Sports Best Live, 97.3 ESPN. Football at four, powered by InsideTheBirds.com. Mike and Broads. Hey, don't forget. Seize the Deal is back this week, and if you did not get a chance to get your $25 gift card for half the price for Rife Bar and Restaurant, you could do so now. We still have a few of those left. We are running out of that, I guess, the holiday weekend. uh, The last one for High Point, that one sold out in a day. I guess with the holiday weekend here, you guys weren't on the net as much. Well, you got a chance to get that gift card. And this Friday, we've got a great deal, $25 for half price to Yuri's Waterfront Restaurant or The Boathouse. That deal goes live Friday. The one for Rife Bar and Restaurant is still available right now. Go to our website, 973 esbncom the free mobile app, or deal.com to get that great Seize the Deal. Mike and Broads here on a... Football at Field 4 Monday. We're going to talk to Jeff Mosher for Mosher Monday edition of Football at 4 right now here on the Boardwalk on the Hotline. Jeff Mosher joins us to uh, discuss a little bit more on the NFL and the sure, Eagles man. and stuff. What's going on, Jeff? I just heard Jeff. Me too. And apparently he's gone. All right, we're not doing very well with Jeff Mosher. Every time we try to do Jeff Mosher, uh, it seems that we failed. Now, we try to do Jeff Mosher on the Zoom call as opposed to a regular phone call, so I don't know what the difference of trying to do that is, but apparently it's not working very well. But it sounds better oh, than it definitely the regular does. phone call. Oh, it does. does. I mean, so think we about will it. try to uh, get him back on here in just a second.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, think about how long we did the Zoom life for. Isn't that crazy to think we went that long with doing the whole Zoom thing and FaceTime and looking to the right? i got
0: to tell you, I am, like, Zoomed out. I can't wait... One thing that I hope goes back to normal is that we get rid of the Zoom. All together? No, but I mean, like, I hope teams don't do these Zoom calls as, like, the standard now for, like, press conferences and that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, hopefully they don't. Now, it's funny you bring that up because my fiance was at on work today. She works from home because of the COVID-19 stuff, and I'm here. I'm walking through the kitchen, right? And you hear her boss go, Ryan, you're on mute. We can't hear you. Like, they're trying to have this whole meeting. And this guy, poor Ryan, he's on mute. He can't talk. Everyone's, like, waiting for Ryan to speak. Every, like, Monday, my girlfriend has one at 10 o'clock.
0: I have one at 1030. And, like, all these. Have you seen all the parodies of the Zoom calls out there? Oh, yeah. Where it's like, uh, I think your mic's on. Oh, oh, no, you go ahead. No, no, you first. I mean, I, I think the Zoom has been great. It's a nice fall back to have but i hope it goes away like in terms of how regularly we use them in the workforce now like businesses are kind of like oh we can get around doing things now because we got these zoom calls no
1: the zoom calls out the sixers have been doing three zoom calls a day yeah that's crazy i i, I agree with you i wonder what the the financial part of this goes, though, when it comes to Zoom. I mean, they clearly saw a huge spike over the last oh, couple months. I don't even heard of Zoom. Well, what's going to happen now, though? Are they going to have to, boom, hit a big wall? Big crash, I mean? I don't know.
0: I mean, they're for the most part, too, they're free. I don't know how they're making well, they're, money off this.
1: They're free, but it's limited in time. So there's like, say, I don't know exactly the number, but say it's 20 minutes free, and then you got to call back that person yep. again if you do more than one person.
0: Well, I tell you this, um, the Zoom call... Has uh, the Phillies had one over the weekend. Um, The Sixers had three today. They had one yesterday. They had one a couple of days. I mean, they just, it's okay. The Zoom I'm over with. I'm over the Zoom now for our meeting, for us here we use the team's call, and as you see, this Zoom call is not working very well because here we are five minutes later, and they still can't figure out how to get them simply on a Zoom call.
1: Well, it looks like they stopped the Zoom call. We'll give a little play-by-play here. Stopping the Zoom call, now going traditional phone call, and still no good reception here.
0: Yeah. Jeff's got to do a better job, apparently. So you're mad at Jeff in this
1: situation? I don't know. I
0: heard him on the I, – I literally heard him talking before. Now, this happened when he was on Wednesday's edition, too. I was talking, and he couldn't hear me. Now I'm hearing. Can you hear me now? Stuff.
1: Now there apparently there's a rocking um, weather going on right now. Oh yeah, big time thunderstorm, a lot of lightning. But it seems like we have the man, the myth, and the
2: legend.
0: I think uh, Mosher, you are uh, a fail on the Zoom call.
2: I don't know what's going on. Uh, it was Facebook that we were trying to use. I could see everything, but it just wasn't going through. I could, I just couldn't hear, and they yeah. couldn't hear me. That's I heard you thing.
0: fine. I heard you fine. You were talking, and you were blabbling over the air. We had to get you off.
2: Oh, wonderful! Great. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Hey, man. <laughs> All right. Let's try this again.
0: Five, six minutes later, we finally figured this out. Boy, oh, boy, was that terrible! All right, football four, powered by insidethebirds.com. dot com. Jeff Bosher is here with us. We got a lot to get into. Uh, one, we talked about this. This came out last week. You had reported about the Eagles coaches and what they're going to have to do to kind of get this all started here. And it seems like things have even changed, not with the Eagles, just the NFL in general since that point. Uh, but give us a little update on uh, what the Eagles coaches are going to need to do to get back into the building here.
2: Yeah, what I had reported was that, well, what what's out there publicly from the NFL is that, Camp will technically begin July 28th for every team. I think rookies and select veterans will report on the 21st, but the Eagles and Jeffrey Lund, who has been kind of, um, I would say, I don't want to say at the forefront, but he's just obviously doing taking every precaution as possible for what he can control. And he can't control what goes on with the players because of that. a lot of that has to be collectively bargained between their union and the owners. But with his own coaching staff and administrators and so forth and so on, he's having them report as early as, I believe, this Friday, whatever July 10th is, right? Today is the, the 6th, right? So the Friday is the 10th. He wants everybody from his coaching staff and anyone who's going to be involved from training camp, um, You know, medical people, uh, uh, personnel people, although there's going to be a lot less, fewer personnel people uh, at camp this year than, than the past. But um, those people have to be.
0: Has that been verified? Is the number been verified? The number of what? Players that will be at camp.
2: Well, they're still working on the roster size as well. You know, right now it's ninety, but it sounds like the NFL really wants to truncate that to a different number. That's going to have to be agreed upon with the the players' union as well. But for Friday, the people that have to be here are the coaches and the staff, and they have to then quarantine for seven days and then take tests on the 17th and then depending on what comes back with the test then they can go forward with you know being in the building and things of that nature
0: now it was reported also this weekend that the eagles will have rookies report july 22nd the team veterans july 28th um so i guess the coaches are going to get there a little bit early They'll get the opportunity to kind of get their stuff together, and then the player July 22nd. So, Jeff, we're looking at about three weeks here before this gets off the ground. Does it feel like that is going to happen without a speed bump?
2: Um, I think it's going to happen. You know, I don't know. The speed bump part of it, Mike, will come – As players arrive, kind of like you're seeing now in baseball, right? Uh, As players arrive, as they get tested, we'll see if a large amount of players are testing positive for COVID and then have to be quarantined and how that might impact things going forward. But as I've said, as Adam Kaplan has said, you know, whatever platform we have, the NFL is going to try to follow its schedule to the T for as long as it possibly can, and if it has to make an adjustment. It will make an adjustment, just like you're seeing now with with preseason games. Um, but I don't, you know, the, the train will go until it's told it must stop.
1: How much hope did the Eagles have that undrafted players, specifically maybe the running back position, would make an impact on this team? And is that in jeopardy now because you don't really know what's going on with the roster size and what type of undrafted players you're going to keep if you do got to let some guys go before any sort of camp even happens?
2: It's a good question, Hunter. And I think that every kind of media person, right, every reporter or podcaster or people sitting in your chair as well are waiting to play that game, right, when the final number – uh, roster is announced, be it, you know, 75, 80, whatever, then you do the uh, math and figure out how many must be subtracted immediately. And you start to play that game of, well, who goes? And so could it be the one of the two rookie running backs uh, who are, I'm sorry, rookie rookie free agent running backs that you were just talking about, one being Mike Warren, the other being Adrian Kill- Killens, could be, or they could decide that's a position that they don't have great depth at. So you keep those two and you make, trims other areas. You know, we've talked about Tay Olson, the linebacker, rookie free agent linebacker. Uh Joe Osman, who's coming back from an NCL surgery, but now finds himself in a very, very crowded defensive end picture that also has Gerard Avery and also has Sharif Miller and also has Josh Sweat and then the two starters. So maybe and then also the kid that they drafted from Stanford in the seventh round. So maybe he's one that never gets that opportunity. Maybe, you know the cornerback Prince that's undrafted free agent. And uh the wide receiver, Manasa Bailey. I you mean, know, all those names kind of get thrown into the equation there. Of who's who's going to have to be the, the quote unquote sacrificial lamb to meet the roster size?
0: Yeah, that's going to be an interesting dynamic here. And now, Jeff, as we're hearing, you know, all right, two games are out. That hurts some of those back end guys. What happens if all four games, which the NFLPA apparently is pushing hard for, right, the, to just say let's get rid of the four preseason games altogether? That adds an even deeper effect to those players.
2: Oh, it does. I mean, for everyone, for coaches, players. I mean, I do think the coaches use the preseason games at their disposal to evaluate players. And sometimes, while we all talk about the meaninglessness of it, and it is, from an evaluation standpoint, I think coaches like to evaluate the players, how their players perform against different players. You know, training camp is you versus your you know, if you're an offensive player, it's versus your defense. If you're a defensive player, it's your offense, and you're practicing against that set every single day. That's why um, the the coaches nowadays talk about how much they like those joints because they're not preseason games. There's not travel. There's not so much involved. Uh, it's not a big hubbub. But you get to have three or four or five, uh, usually like three or three or four, uh, good hard practices against another team. Uh, again, that's going to show you some different looks and show you some some things that you're just not seeing every single day practicing against yourself. So that those helped and those won't be available either. And so the whole evaluation process hurt uh, is hurt by it. And then of course, as, as we're talking about, the bottom roster players are are going to suffer. And it'll be interesting to see if there are no pre games, what the coaches do with their reps, in practice as it pertains to veterans and rookies and newcomers. You know, guys who don't normally play, like a Jason Kelsey. The coaches may say, you know what, we're just not going to practice him very much. We want to keep him healthy. We need him for the season. He doesn't need to learn the offense. We really need to see if Nate Herbig uh, can be a really good backup center or even play right guard. So we're going to give Kelsey a lot. You know, they did that with Jason Peters just because of his age last year and trying to get Dillard into the mix. I just think that there's going to be some new philosophies, ideologies, and strategies incorporated in the training camps this year because of this.
1: Well, it's interesting you bring up Jason Peters because he definitely knows what he's doing and a veteran guy as as well. And do you think that he is still in play? I mean, he's out there. What happens if, say, let's say Andre Diller, not even an injury, but maybe he has to quarantine at some point? you got to protect Carson Wentz's blind side. So is Jason Peters still in play for the Eagles?
2: Yeah, I think you know, COVID or no COVID, he's in play, Hunter. It's just a matter of you know how how you strongly you your, the Eagles were feeling about Andre Dillard, and you know I I you know Adam and I are kind of Adam Kaplan and I are on different viewpoints of what we think the Eagles should do, but he does make a good point when he says, you know, with all this lack of season games and without having seen Andre Dillard in the spring and. You just don't know what you're going to get in the first two weeks of training camp, which might be more like walkthroughs. If you're really trying to be the best team you can be, maybe it makes more sense to just bring Jason Peters back now. I always felt that they were going to take a look at Andre Dillard for the first few weeks of training camp and maybe a preseason game or two, evaluate him then, and then make the decision on whether they felt they needed Jason back or not. But this might, you know, the lack of preseason games might accelerate that decision to place the phone call. We'll see.
0: So um, the thought process here is if there's no preseason, Jeff, what does that mean for Andre Dillard? Uh, number one, let's start with him. What does it mean for the right guard spot? I mean, if there is no preseason games, do you just hand that to Matt Pryor? Do you look for a veteran? Does that accentuate the fact that they might look for a veteran? Uh, and if there's no preseason, does that signal bad news for Dillard? Well,
2: if, it's a little bit of a double-edged sword, right? If you take Matt Pryor in the right guard situation and you say, eh, "I'm a little worried," I want to go out and get a veteran. Well, that veteran now has to come and learn your playbook and you get acclimated in uh, a time period when that's a struggle for everybody, right? And field time is an issue. If any, if, if you can look at it the other way, that's why I say it's a double-edged sword and say. Matt Pryor may not be a pro bowler and we may have question marks, but at least he's been in our system. This is year three. He has played for us before. We don't have to worry about indoctrinating him into this team, what kind of scheme he played in before. I mean, there's so there's merits to both. And, you know, my, my my philosophy, and I said this on the podcast inside the Birds podcast, I dropped this morning is that as he, you know, Eagles fans may look at these things and and think that they're question marks and, causes for concern and Andre Dillard now playing left tackle without any coaching this offseason but every single NFL team has their own Andre Dillard or Matt Pryor or Darius, you know their newcomer or their guy who want, they wanted to coach up and didn't get a chance to they're all dealing with it equally so while left tackle is a primary spot and I understand the importance of protecting the quarterback every single team right now has a lot of has calls and question marks that have been exacerbated by the lack of, of practice time and grass time and will continue to be going into the preseason. So I'm more in favor of saying that's your guy. You drafted him in the first round. He did play a little bit last year. He's got some work to do, but you will have four or five, uh, six weeks here, ideally, to to get him ready. Just the same amount of time for every other team. So go ahead and go forward with it.
1: You and Adam had a chance to interview Brian Westbrook, so I want to know, what was your biggest takeaway from that interview on ITB-TV?
2: Yeah, it was two things. One, uh, the Hunter. one was just um, Brian felt that if you go back to like Brian's career, and we talked about in 2006 and 2007 especially, when he started to average between 20 and 24 touches per game, it really was never the intent. That's a lot of touches for a running back, specifically one with Brian's you know, knee injury history. But if you go back and look at the Eagles during that time period, you know, T.L. was gone. Donovan tears his ACL in 2006. Uh, in 2007, Donovan's coming back from an ACL tear. And their receivers are Reggie Brown, and Kevin Curtis, which is not exactly, uh, you know, Larry Fitzgerald, Manquan Bull there, right? So the pressure on Brian to really be the epicenter of the offense was there, and that's why he wound up touching the ball. They 2006, they had a scratch and claw to win the division every game was a tight game you don't take your best player off the field and stop giving them the ball in those situations and same thing with 2007 where they, they finished um eight and eight I believe and struggled you know they were they were three games under 500 at one point point. and so you look at this year's team and while the offense was addressed in the off you brought in Jalen Rager and you have Deshaun Jack coming back and of course you have Zach Ertz and Goddard you know, the wide receiver picture is still a little bit questionable. We have no idea how Jalen Rader is going to to make into the offense. We don't know if Deshaun Jackson can stay healthy at 34 years old. and So the pass catching becomes an issue again, and there's always that opportunity that Miles Sanders, if he continues to improve, may have to be leaned on even more so than the the, the, the 14 to 16 or 15 to 18 touches per game. I, I don't think that they want that, but it's just something that – may become necessary if the wide receiver picture is bleak again or if there's injuries at the tight end position, and we'd have to see. It's only year two. I don't know how much you can expect from a year two player, For at least for, for Westbrook. two thousand seven we're talking about his and uh, fourth years in the league where he was ready to take that mantle. But Brian does think that Miles has a lot of potential and showed a lot of that great pass catching potential uh, last year. So um, we'll see. Well, you know, a lot of people think it's going to be a breakout year for Miles Sanders. It may, it may have
0: to be. Well, it was a breakout uh, day for Patrick Mahomes, Jeff Mosher. I want to get your reaction yeah. to this. Uh, Patrick Mahomes had two years and $26 million left on his existing deal. He got a 10-year extension today worth over four hundred million dollars the lowest his 12-year deal could be worth is four hundred and twenty seven million dollars but it could be more it surpasses mike trout's four hundred and twenty six million for the largest contract in north american sports ever so reaction to the mahomes deal today 10 years over four hundred million
2: Wow, um, that's a it's a big contract. It doesn't surprise me because I think you know when you have the resume that he has you mean three years, two years as a starter, you know conference championship year one, Super Bowl year two, boundless potential, great organization. It reminded me of when the Eagles signed Donovan McNabb uh, way back when to that ten year, hundred and something million dollar uh, contract that was seen as banner at that time. So this is to be expected. He was going to be the highest paid quarterback, and you know, if you want to put an Eagles perspective on it, this is why it makes sense to extend your quarterback when you think he's good after year three, and not wait that another year to make him prove to stay healthy or something like that. Because if they had waited till this off to extend Carson Wentz, you now see the resetting of the quarterback number. And what did uh, what, what's the tag for back pressure? I think thirty four million. Uh, that it's going to be, or 31 million, something like that. It's going to be over 31, 32, 33, in excess of 40 million. The number just goes goes up and goes up. up. So that's why I think it was a hard thing for the Eagles last year to extend Carson Wentz and then use the last two years' deal to stash some of that new money. Helps keep the uh, cap figure low for a couple of years before it really starts to hit up. And I think in a year or two is when Carson's number will really jump compared to what it was last year and this year.
1: Now, this is a copycat league, as we know. Do you sense that this is more the outlier, or do you think teams, once they feel like they have their guy, might try and do this as well? I know Pat Mahomes is very special Super Bowl. I get it, but it is a copycat league. I, I think that this is a little extreme, so I lean towards it being mm-hmm. an outlier. What do you think?
2: No, I think it's, it's not going to be replicated a lot because I just don't think enough quarterbacks come into the league and play at the level that Patrick Holmes has played at in their first two or three years, stage showed no no, you know, no problems to, to deserve that kind of money. I mean, Dak Prescott, we could say what we want about him, right? But he's played pretty well for for his first three years and you don't see the Cowboys running to give him that type of money. I think you have to really, really show that you are special to get something like that. I think if, if anything, Hunter and what what happens with Dak after this year. You may see more of a trend of of teams reluctant to reward a quarterback who's played well, not great but well enough to get one of those quarterback contracts and then maybe move on a little bit. Sort of like what you saw with Washington and Kirk Cousins, you know. And I'm not saying Washington made the right decision at all because they're always in quarterback, you know, purgatory, but I do we'll see what happens with Dak. We'll see what happens with, you know, uh some, some quarterbacks to come into the league over the next, year, you on know, Baker Mayfield and things like that. And was, was just playing good is going to get them these, you know, 150, 200 million, 300 million contracts. Teams will be a little bit more onto the next one.
0: All right, Jeff, uh, we'll leave you with this. Uh, it looks like uh, Washington will have a new team name. I don't know if you've thought of one yourself, but we have the odds for the new potential team names. Is there anything that jumped off the top of your head for the new Washington uh mascot because it appears that they will have one potentially even by the uh, start of this year
2: no i've seen a lot of interesting names out there um i think the funniest thing i saw was the onion doing a, a joke story about how snyder would change the name to the dc redskins instead of washington yes. just to completely mess it up but um i've also thought just based on readings from uh down the washington area that the warriors was a kind of a natural transition for them where they could keep a color, keep it like Native American kind of symmetry, I guess. could warrior. Uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, that's what I, I was reading. And then maybe you could change the logo from sort kind of an Indian face or head, like um, like kind of like the arrowhead from, from Kansas, just in you know a tool or something like that. Right. Um, or they could just like completely disassociate whatsoever and go with uh, you know, something just like the bullets did. You know, they went from the Washington Bullets to the Washington Wizards, and you know. Nobody said anything about yeah. it. Well, the
0: Vegas odds, the leader right now is the Red Tails. There, it's a three to one to change to the Red, red tails. tails. Yep, I don't know. uh I don't the, I like that too much. What the connection is there? But uh, there, there was uh, there's some odds on it. Uh, red Tails, Generals, Presidents, Lincoln's, Veterans. I mean, a lot of stuff associated with the city. I went with Burgundy. Just keep uh, the color. Just we're the Washington Burgundy, uh, and you can keep that Burgundy and gold as your kind of like your your trademark.
2: That's uh, not a bad idea, Michael. I like that better
0: than Red Tails. Yeah, much like, uh, you know, Syracuse Orange or something to that effect. So, All right, man. Football four in the books. Uh, of course, Jeff Mosher, um, and uh, it's powered by InsideTheBirds.com. Check out Inside the Birds' latest podcast dropped today, ITB-TV. You can check that out on the YouTube channel with Brian Westbrook and hear more on what he had to say. And Jeff Mosher, like all guests, appeared via the Boardwalk Honda hotline. All right, man, we'll talk to you Wednesday. Uh, so thanks. All right, and uh, J- Andrew DeCheco is in tomorrow with uh, football at four. We'll get more reaction on this Mahomes deal, obviously, from the Checo tomorrow. Get some insight on what he thinks on that. And, uh, you know, not playing the preseason games, I think that's a big story on guys like Andre Dillard. The whole Jason Peters thing, does that come back into play now? They need a right guard. You don't get to
1: have a battle in, in any preseason games. That's a big problem. I think Jason Peters is more and more of a must every time. every Every day that goes on now, it almost adds. Like, oh, hey, Jason Peters, Jason Peters. I mean, you don't know if one of these linemen are going to go have to quarantine for some point and then you have at least some veteran guy there just waiting or maybe he plays. I don't know. I mean, it just concerns me with that offensive line.
0: Tell you what. I mean, how um, you look at the preseason games as – the coaches it, and he talked about it. The Eagles have a lot of young rookies that they probably would have loved to get a look at. So in years past, where the Eagles only had five rookies, the preseason games for them weren't like, hey, I want to check a look at our rookie class this year. They really had a lot of guys they probably wanted to look at in live games.
1: Definitely, and, and running backs as well. I feel like the running yeah. back specifically was a spot where they really Wide receiver, liked these, too. Yeah.
0: Watkins, yep. Hightower. Later draft picks, no doubt about it. Call Jenkins for heating and air conditioning, installation, service, maintenance, plumbing, drain, cleaning, service, 609-641-6440 or JenkinsPlumbingHeating.com when we come back. It's Ask Mike and Broads. Send your questions in right now, 609-403-0973. Ask Mike and Brode, 609. Mike and Brode, Ask Mike and Brode. You ask the questions, we answer them for you. 609-403-0973. 609-403-0973. Get your questions in for today's Ask Mike and Brode. 609-403-0973. Now, you you said you wanted me to go back to... A question that came in that we brought up a little earlier, and uh, that was regarding Joel Embiid being 7-foot. And the gentleman said, look, there's other 7-footers in the league, you know, and they never had any issues. So does he have, um, you know, does that guy have a point in terms of Tim Duncan, a lot of guys 7-foot that, you know, have run up. Look, 7-footers were not made to run up and down a wood basketball court and go up and down like that.
1: I would have to agree. Now you can name players, which he did, who did have success. And then you want
0: there's... me to read the? Let me read the exact thing. Broads, that's baloney. Embiid is not the only seven-footer to play basketball. I don't remember Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, Dwight Howard being out of shape because they were seven-footers. It's a commitment to work on your body that he just hasn't
1: shown yet. Now I'm going to disagree. I I think he has worked on his body. I really do. I think he has put the time into work on his body. It's just because of the nature of being that big. Everyone's different, right? So because Tim Duncan was able to do it, well, that's a little different. And different playing styles. You know what I mean? Like in today's era of basketball, as a five, you – The way Joel Embiid, at least, plays it, it's totally different. It's not so much just one way. You think of Tim Duncan. I mean, don't you think the the same little hook shot? I mean, that's kind of what I picture Tim Duncan, that little hook shot that he always did. Like, it's a different style of play. Like, you're so much more versatile as a seven-footer in today's game. And he followed up by saying, because I mentioned, look, Dwight Howard was good, but for how long? A a shorter amount of time compared to these guys. He He was always
0: in very good shape, though. Sure, and I agree with that. This was more that, I don't know, he mentally kind of, fell off
1: a bit. Okay, he averaged 20 and four. he pretty much said he was a 20 and 14 guy every night. Well, then I'm thinking, all right, well, Joel Embiid out of shape is a 23 and 12 guy every night, you know? So, like, I don't know. I don't see how the whole Dwight Howard thing, being in shape, giving you 20 and 14 and Joel Embiid being out of shape, giving you 24 and 12 really helps his argument at all.
0: Look, I don't think Embiid, first off, look, some people are just, you know, he has He's built with bigger bone mass. I mean, he's just a big guy. I don't think he's ever going to be like this cut, chiseled guy like Dwight Howard was. Kevin Garnett was just rail thin. You know, like these guys are all built differently at seven foot than Joel Embiid is. Joel Embiid, even if he cut down his weight, you ask these questions then. Is he going to be as dominant? Is he going to be the powerful guy down in the post that just takes over the post at times?
1: I would say no, and and here's another thing. Joel Embiid, he literally comes up the floor, he gets the ball, he's knocking down mid-range jumpers off the dribble after he crosses somebody over, right? I mean, that's what he does as a big man. You didn't see Kevin Garnett do that. There's so much more to his game that wears and tears on a body at the size of 7 foot, and, and some of these guys Yes, you know what, Kevin Garnett was banging low. Tim Duncan was banging low at times, and Joel Embiid does that. Hey, I promise you, everyone's screaming at the radio right now saying he doesn't get on the low block. He leads the league in post-ups, so he does get in the low block. So I do understand that banging bodies is different than mid-range jumpers while while dribbling the basketball, but at 7'2 in this era, the way he plays the game it doesn't really relate to the guys that he threw at us.
0: Yeah, they played, like, Tim Duncan wasn't really a center. He was more of a power forward. Power forward, forward, right. Garnett, same thing. Dwight Howard's a center.
1: Dwight Howard is a center. Yep. But I think it does show you that his career wasn't very long, and maybe it has to do with his dominance wasn't very long. And I wonder if that has to do with being that big of a human dominating the league, though. Like, it takes a wear and tear on your body to be that big playing the game of basketball.
0: Yeah, there are very few guys who... Have the mass that Joel Embiid has and goes up and down the floor, but I don't think his problems really have been the fact that he's just so large. It's that he's had the foot problems, the ankle problems. When he got drafted, he couldn't play because of the the, the foot surgery. Then he had the back issues that he had. Now you might say, well, if you saw Joel Embiid in college, he was not that big of a guy. He was a more slender guy back in his Kansas
1: day. You wouldn't even recognize him barely. Right? Yeah, it's like I blame anatomy almost for the reason. That's what I was going to ask you guys. Isn't some of this genetics? Like, some guys are just like, you know, Sean Bradley, Jeff Rulin, Some guys are tall and they, they they can't stay healthy. And some guys are Akeem Olajuwon and David Robinson and they're these physical freak ripped monsters. You know, Shaq was a pretty large human being. He didn't have a ton of injuries until later in his career. Yeah, now
0: Shaq was a thin guy in college. And he then he just bigger. kept getting bigger, 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 bigger. It didn't make him any less dominant of a player. No one said, man, that Shaq needs to cut down weight. Right. He yeah. was so dominant. And I think Embiid would be similar. Like, if he started to get, lose a lot of that weight, I don't think he would be the dominant player in the post that he, you know, that he just manhandles people.
1: But, Gil, you know, he doesn't post up. Well, he posts up more than anybody in the entire league. I'm just exactly. telling you what the people say. He doesn't post up. He posts up more than Jokic. He does post up more than Jokic, and and that'll be an interesting thing to see Jokic and see how he works out with this big, slim cut because it's it's kind of weird to see him. It's like that's the same guy, but it doesn't always relate to positive play on the court. Changes no, those everyone's two. Game. I think
0: him and Gasol are going to be interesting to see how it translates for them. Now, if it beat came out with like this nimble guy, you know. I don't know. Would he
1: be more perimeter-oriented even more so than he is now that pisses people off? Oh, probably. Yeah, that's funny. The same people who want him to cut weight will probably be pissed when he cuts weight and then has to change his game to a perimeter five. Right. Even more so of a perimeter five. Then it's Brett's fault, and here goes the cycle, baby. Here goes the cycle. The never-ending story. I know. Now, would you like to uh, start us off here with a baseball question? Oh, I like that. From Jordan. Do you guys think that this baseball season won't we even finish? I have a harder time thinking it's even going to start. You don't even think they're going to get off the ground. It's a couple weeks away, right? Well, I
0: said, I had said before that I wasn't sure they were going to get a deal and the reason would be, they would just say, look, the the tests are going so skyrocketing that we have deemed that it's not worth us getting out there. Now, they might just keep this in mind. This goes back to something that you brought up earlier. The players in the owners never got an agreement they were forced into this the tests going up so much it could be a way for both sides to get out of playing and just saying the tests
1: have skyrocketed so much that we decided it wasn't prudent to play i will say the one sport that does scare me to finish is baseball because it seems like they don't know what the hell is going on right now and i can't not factor in the fact that i do believe that there are some players out there that are doing this saying they don't want to play or saying they're uncomfortable just because that they are upset with the owners and how everything played out. This is them kind of getting back at them, if you will. I think that is in play, no doubt about it. But do I think the season finishes? It just comes down to, is baseball, are these owners willing to have a season if you lose your top 20 players and you're just going out there with your your above average guys your average guys and some below average guys is it worth still having the product out on the field if that's what you're getting from the jump and 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 you would think financially that it would be better right do they still have to be paid do those players who say I don't want to play do they still get paid I don't think so exactly so now do the owners want maybe some of these top dogs to sit out so then they don't have to pay them during this time I don't know I don't know the answer to that question
0: all of this seems to be so clouded. As more teams are shutting down, uh, who was it? The Cardinals announced the team canceled its scheduled Monday workouts due to COVID testing delays. "Quote: There's clearly a lot of uh, a little frustration in our camp in terms of getting test results. They can't get the results back, so they're taking tests, but they don't know that they passed the test or failed the test. I mean, it's turned into..."
1: Uh, A circus no it has and and you have to blame the ownership and everyone involved with the whole health protocol things Manfred as well because he obviously plays a major role in this entire thing but I wonder too and I'm not pro owners I just like to look at both sides of things is it possible that they are trying to make Manfred and the owners look as bad as possible throughout this process where Maybe they're stretching it a bit on how ridiculous these results are. Like, we're really not getting these results. Are they trying to pin it on the owners that this is miserable because of them, because they are so unhappy with how everything played out? It's hard for me to throw that in the trash, Gil. It really is. That was ugly what went down. Yeah, I... I... And we can agree that the owners made out on top in this specific negotiation. That just happened. The owners made it out over the players did. So are they that pissed off that they're just they're, they have their eye on the owners to make them look awful? I think the
0: owners and the players already looked awful. I could agree with you you know what I'm saying so like I don't think any side gains anything by making the other side continuously looking awful here.
1: Well, you are correct, but I don't think they see it that way. Sadly, the two people are so heavily involved. They're just brainwashed into thinking they need to win whatever type of argument they're in, so they just continue <laughs> to draw this thing out. Yeah, I mean, again, I go back to this: if they, the players, really were so
0: insistent on making the owners look bad, I think more of them would have dropped out. I think we're gone. There have been very few that have. Re, I mean, Nick Nurse dropped out today. It's a pretty. I want to say he made the All Star game.
1: He's a hell of a player. What was
0: his reasoning?
1: It, what he saw happen with Freddie Freeman was eye-popping. It, it eye I don't know if eye-popping, eye-opening. That's the word I was looking for. It was eye-opening to see what went down with Freddie Freeman, who tested positive with COVID. And then Chris Bryant just said that he thought it would be safer. I think as the days go on, you will start to see more guys. And if someone like Mike Trout does say, hey, I'm not playing because... I am uncomfortable with the newborn child and my wife and all that. Maybe that's the snowball effect for guys who might think differently and still want to sit out.
0: Yeah.
1: It says that Markekis
0: was talking to Freeman on the phone, and that had quite an impact on his decision. Well, he, Freeman, of course, tested positive.
1: Yeah, and he's probably going through a, a brutal fever. Remember, I brought up the family member. I, I said an obnoxious amount of fever. I think I said 108. What, what yeah. was the? I said something ridiculous. But she went through it to the point where she was hurt in for a long time. So if Freddie Freeman is going through that sort of scenario and telling Nick Markakis, "Dude, this is what I'm going through." then I'm sure it did really make his mind change on things. But I do think as the days go on, you're going to see more guys kind of drop out.
0: Yeah, and so far it seems that most of them, and I don't know that 100%, that most of them are dropping out due to safety
1: concerns for their families. I would have to say More so than I just don't want to play. I would have to say so. But it is always easy to hide that I don't want to play with the family thing, if that is the case. I'm yeah, not but I people mean, people are doing that.
0: But even if Mike Trout was saying, I don't want to play because I want to screw the owners, even if that was his reason, he does have a newborn on the way. So does Zach Wheeler. So does Bryce Harper. So they all could say, I just don't feel like playing because I want to screw the owners over. But they all have newborns on the way. If you were just random Joe saying, I just don't want to play because i like Ann Desmond. He's a pretty high-profile player that decided he wasn't going to play, and he said he just didn't feel safe. There are going to be guys who I think who are super ultra on high alert because of this that just say, I just am not ready
1: to be going through and being around that many people yet. Oh, I think that there are people who do think that way, no doubt about it. Now, do we have a time for another question? Yeah, why not? Okay. Okay. I put up an article on 97.3 ESPN over the weekend about Brett Brown and this whole young players thing because he came out and said, normally I don't trust young players. And the outrage of the Brett Brown hatred came out and it just sparked a nerve. And I said, look, I don't understand why this is an issue that he said this because it makes a lot of sense. So Scott asks, how is it possible for Brett Brown to not trust young players in the playoffs? How in the world are they supposed to actually learn? What kind of question is that? He's claiming that if Brett Brown doesn't play these young players, that they will never get Who the Who said experience. he's not? I'm with you. I'm with you. He claimed, Brett claimed, that he normally does not trust younger players in the NBA playoffs. Now, it's pretty simple for me to understand this. If you have a veteran with experience.
0: Did he sit Ben Simmons?
1: No. But I will say Did he what, sit Joel and B? When he was speaking about it, it it did limit it to more of the Shake Milton and, and more of the bench guys more so than Ben and Joel. It was it was towards Shake yeah, well, Milton. He has but, admitted that
0: he doesn't typically trust them, but that doesn't mean like he has said I'm pretty sure he talked about the fact that um when Ben Simmons is off the court, Brett Brown said that Shake Milton will pretty much run the, the
1: offense. Absolutely, and and I do take Ben and Joel out of this conversation, even though they're younger. But you're telling me that Matisse Dibel is going to get zero minutes because Brett Brown doesn't trust young guys? Or even me, I'm not even a Furcon guy at all. But you're telling me Furcon's going to get zero minutes because he doesn't trust well, young Furcon's guys? Well,
0: Furcon's been I mean, around for the last he's couple 20, playoff 22, runs.
1: 22, I think. He's pretty young. But he's been on the
0: team the last couple of years during these playoffs.
1: Right. So he's got
0: a little taste. The other guy you mentioned was Matisse. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Matisse's
1: minutes were very limited, though. You think uh, 10 minutes a game? Yeah, very limited. Sure. But these people are making a team. like because Brett Brown claimed that nobody, that he normally does not trust young players in the playoffs, that means if you're under a certain age, smell you later, you're not getting a damn minute. I mean,
0: Matisse averaged 19 minutes a game in the regular season.
1: That's not going up. Definitely not. I only see down. I agree with you. I just can't believe that it's so easy for me to separate what makes sense and then it, hating a well, specific coach or a general manager or something. But it's also
0: very easy for people to try to find things to fit the narrative that they want and saying that Brett Brown said he doesn't trust these guys, so Shake Milton's not going to get a fair shake, no pun intended. I like what you did He then. averaged 19 minutes a game. Now, that's kind of flawed.
1: Yes, because Ben Simmons was injured, and he was playing full minutes as a yeah. starter. I wrote like down that. the list of the
0: minutes. ESPN-FM. All right, so here's how I have the minutes broken up, all right? I got Joel playing 38. These are averages, right? Joel 38, Tobias 35, Shake 28, Richardson 30, Ben 38. So, that would leave, like, I got 28 for Horford, 20 for Furcon, whoa, 8 for Alec Burks,
1: and then you got 15 minutes left over for the rest of the crew. 20 for Furcon. I just wonder if, I'm not doubting his ability to shoot the three this year. He averaged 21 in the regular season. No, I'm with you. I just...
0: Those are averages. I know, I know. Some nights he might play 28, other nights he might only play
1: 18. Right. Wow. I just think, and maybe, maybe I'm off, but I've been pretty strong on this opinion for a while now. When it comes to the half-court set, I think you are just going to watch teams literally, absolutely destroy this guy defensively. And maybe, maybe that there are other players that can help out enough where he can survive if he's hitting enough threes on the other end but I just feel like there's going to be a switch and it'll be Furcon versus the other team's best player one-on-one isolation constantly and I just don't know if that's going to work for him the only way he's able to stay on the floor is if on the other side he's doing his thing well that's you know And he's in
0: there when you need some instant offense or your team is down and you need to hit a couple threes to get back in the game. I mean, I don't think you're seeing him out there defending for long stretches. I think you're getting him in
1: there at like five-minute pops. Okay, I can deal with five-minute pops of Furkan. I really can. I I I would like to see him more in that fifteen range. You mentioned eight for Burks. Maybe you take five off, Furcon, give five more to Burks. Well Damn. again, I mean it's uh an
0: average here. I mean, so so maybe one night Furk plays fifteen and uh Burke plays thirteen.
1: That's fair. Something I'm just like I'm that. not a huge Furcon guy, so he really has to show me something on the the D side, but I just I just assume that they abuse JJ Reddick, right? And it and with JJ Redding's shooting ability, you can live with it. I don't know if Furkan can do the same offensively as J.J. could to keep him on the floor. We'll see, though. I could be wrong.
0: Well, and they need three-point shooting. It's got to come from somebody. No, and he, right he, now, he they don't have in. much. Exactly. Yeah. They got uh, Furk. They've got uh, they got Broker off. I mean, I don't know how he gets into the mix either here. I mean, he was playing 10 minutes a game for a not. well that's—Dallas was a playoff team. They're a seven seed. They're not a high-end playoff team. They're kind of a long-shot playoff team. But he was playing— only 10 minutes a night there I don't know how he what kind of role he gets into the, the rotation here.
1: well Brett did say he was very shocked that Brokoff signed here because he was very honest with how limited his opportunities would even be here so you know it's either saying one he thinks he can crack it or two look it might just be too many bodies yeah so I got about 15 minutes left over for Glenn Robinson the third
0: Batiste Steibel, Ryan Brokeroff, uh Kylo Quinn. who else am I, you know, Neto. Neto, I was on the Zoom call with him the other day. He kind of admitted, like, I don't know that I'm going to play all that much. Um, who else am I missing?
1: Um, you know what I'm out on? I'm out on Josh Richardson being the primary ball handler. I think that's why Shake's going to have a well, gonna, Yeah,
0: I think you're going to see Shake.
1: Yeah, I think Shake is a better upside. We'll talk more Sixers at 530 with Tom Morris.